When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. LFC Day Trippers, brought to you by bookmakers.com. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the LFC Day Trippers. I'm Gavin. <laughs> With me tonight, I have got our friend Glenn. We are going to be talking about Thiago Alcantara. Um, I'm going to let Glenn have a say on McAllister and Domo, um, aka Sobel's Lie. And we're also going to be talking about uh, the centre half situation at Liverpool because that's become, for me, um, it's just, it's, it's, it's going up the ranks, I suppose, in, in conversation, um, as the days and weeks have gone on. Glenn, how are you? Haven't talked in a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, no, doing well, thanks. Yeah, good. Um, let me get your take on um, the two signings so far: Alexis McAllister at twenty-five million pounds, and Dominic Sobosloy at sixty million pounds. So ninety-five million outlay um, in pounds are um, by Liverpool Football Club so far. Um, two midfielders. We've been crying out for midfielders. Um, me and me and Matt done a show on Friday. I got Keith and mm-hmm. and Shawnee's take on it last night, but. Um, whoever I have on this week, I want to get their takes on, on the signings because I just feel there's no negative, negativity around these at all. So, shoot, both of them in. What do you feel on both of them? Yeah, it's a good start to the window. I mean, uh, Liverpool Twitter is a, a funny space, like when it's uh, in the off season and, uh, and in January, because if we haven't got someone signed by the, the first day of the window, everyone seems losing their, lose their heads. So, um, so yeah, but, um, Oh, good start, and you know, um, obviously the the areas that we needed addressing um are clearly being taken care of, which is also good to see. Um, like McAllister, I mean, for the for the money that we've got him, I mean, it's just a, it's a really good piece of business. Um, obviously we were linked with him um long before, and I don't think anyone really knew that this release clause was was there. So uh, for us to get him for the price that we did was was a great bit of business. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to seeing him. Um, I think he brings a bit of a different dimension in terms of what we've had previously. Um, very tidy on the ball, which he obviously is like Thiago, but he does have a bit of a bite to him as well. Um, so yeah, looking forward to seeing that, seeing him. And then Shabashlai, um, from the sort of the videos that I've seen of him, he sort of reminds me a bit of, uh, of Oxley Chamberlain in that he's very direct and, all the goals, apart from the penalties he scores, seems to be from outside the box. You know, he doesn't seem to score many tap-ins. So, um, so I think uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him. So, yeah, it's been um, two good signings to start with. Um, probably still a couple more needed. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a positive start. Yeah, I think I think the fact that um, both of them have come in, you know, Liverpool, they could both look comfortable in a four-three-three. Liverpool, they definitely look comfortable. When we start four three three, and if Trent comes in and plays this kind of box with Fabinho or whoever else is there, these two look actually tailor made a little bit for those two eight positions where they they literally spearhead this attack um, for the three lads up front because where they played again, you could actually put them in. McAllister for me came to my attention in the World Cup, and it wasn't because he was an attacking eight or a ten, and um, because he simply wasn't. 
his work rate was phenomenal. But you see more of him then since the World Cup where you're going, Jesus, he plays in a 10, he can play here, he can play there. And <clears> Sabah's <throat> Lai, when you look up his stats, probably fits a 10 mould. But we're more or less playing two tens really when when we go in with that kind of box midfield thing. But both, I think, will be comfortable in, in any formation you kind of Liverpool will put out there because it's either going to be four three three that box or out of stretch four two three one, and I think you could possibly drop McAllister back into a two, and uh, Sabas like could go and play ahead of you know those three lads behind the striker. So I think. That's the that's a huge thing for me when when it comes to it, and that's why I think there's so much positivity about it. I want people to be experts in their field, in positions, um, this summer, because I hate the word project, and I feel you know if someone comes in and they're like oh he's really good off the left or the right or he can kind of play ten, it just screams project at me, and I'm not into that this summer. I want someone to go in and go if he's playing in that position, he better be fucking good at it, um, and these are good at it. It's just a, a bonus that he can, if needed, go elsewhere. But all of that, with those coming in, and possibly more, has led to the stuff around Thiago, which we are going to get to in a bit, because I think I think it's going to split opinion um, on what we should do with Thiago. But let's talk centre-halves, because <clears throat> I think most people, when, this, when the season ended, it was like, look, we need three midfielders. They just haven't looked after midfield enough. And... You know, the the centre-half thing just was bubbling under the surface. Maybe a centre-half. Maybe we can get a centre-half. And it was just thrown in there every so often. But now it seems to come to the fore where it's like people have released themselves from this obsession with midfield, which is the obsession is correct. <laughs> but they've released themselves from the obsession of midfield to go, right, what are we doing at centre-half? First of all, where do you stand with the four centre-halves we have at the moment? It's a difficult one because it's like, I mean, I know this sounds obvious, but, you know, there's a couple of players there where if they play to the potential that they've shown in the past, you would say we don't need anyone else. I mean, like the one who stands out when I say that is Joe Gomez. Um, I, I think he's just perfect for us in terms of he, he can play centre half, but also he can do a job at right back. And obviously, um, you know, we spoke so much about this new role that Trent's been playing towards the back end of the season. And obviously that's led to conversations around him potentially playing in the midfield. But, you know, the one thing people have said is, well, if he goes in the midfield, he plays right back. And, you know, if Gomez was, uh, was on, was in form, you know, we would put him there. But it just seems to be his confidence just seems to have, have been completely shot last season. I mean, that Real Madrid game, um, he was absolutely abysmal. Um, he really was, you know. Um, so yeah, Gomez is one. He's like, he's got so much. Ability, but I just he just can't seem to get a run of games and any consistency behind him to sort of stay in the team. Um, Matip didn't have his best season last year, um, and I think as a result of that, you really now sort of see like Kanate and Van Dijk are the are the two established centre halves. I don't see that changing next season, regardless of 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 a potential signing. Um, so yeah, it's a difficult one because you would you would normally say if you have four sort of senior centre half, that should be enough, you would think, to sort of see you through the season, you know, with the odd injury here and there. I know obviously um a few years ago we had a bit of a crisis there, but that's a bit of a one off. So I'd say that the four that we've got, say that there, there's clearly two established first choice centre halves and then you've got two backups who can come in and do a job for you. Um but it's as I say it's just it's the reliability of like Matip when he's not playing regularly. Sometimes he can, and he looks a bit shaky, and it's the same with Gomez. You feel like they're two players where they only really show their best once they're getting a good run of games. Um, and barring an injury, you don't see how that's going to happen. So, so that, yeah, that's kind of how I see it with them four. It's it's interesting because I could make arguments for moving on Matip or Gomez, all right, um, and I could I could make arguments for keeping them. It's very it's like it's not it's not a hard argument to make really you know the sort of way Gomez I think has just hasn't looked the same to me. Yeah. Um, I think I might have been at the game with you at Southampton at home last season. So the game yeah, yeah. And he got bullied. Shea Adams. He got bullied yeah. by Shea Adams. And me and yeah. you sat watching this together, saying like on the ground he's bullied, in the air he was bullied. He looked. He, he didn't look no. He looks like forget yards of pace and stuff like that making decisions, 
seems to have stopped with Joe Gomez. Joe Gomez yeah. used to make decisions where I'm going to run with, with him and I'm going to make sure it happens. And he just, he takes that extra second to make a decision. He's not assertive enough. And I think that's what's killing him. I think yeah. if you told Joe Gomez, listen, it takes you an extra second to run that 58 meters, he'd be fine with that. But he go make the decision and run it. Whereas with him now, I think it's just like, oh, will I make, will I do it? Will I not? And then bang, he's in trouble. You know, the sort of way. And maybe he's lost that yard of pace and that's what kills him then. Because he used, to, Joe Gomez used to be able to, if he was, wasn't sure, his pace would get him out of trouble. And now it doesn't yeah. look like his pace can get him out of trouble. And I don't like him at right back. Um, now the, the mad thing is, if you were to put Trent in and start him in there, Joe Gomez is probably fine at right back because you just want your right back to stand there and go, listen, yeah. you just stand there and just stand beside Kanate and, and Van Dijk and that's your three and we'll, we'll allow the left back to go a little bit, um, which would suit Robertson, believe it or not, more than this system does now. With Matip, I think he's a year left on his deal as well and as soon as it gets down to that, people are like, oh, well, they'll sell him. Not really because... Uh, they never moved on Milner in his last year. They never moved on Ox, and they never moved on um, Naby Keita in the last year. They didn't move on Divock Origi in his last year. There's loads there. They've, they've never they've let them out of the contract. Yeah, Firmino. Yeah, they, all these people that they could have got rid of, and they didn't. Um, I'm going to throw this at you, though. I think if we're making a centre-half sign in this summer, it has to be left-sided, okay? Simply to see what we're trying to do. If you weren't going to go down that Gomez right back route. And I think it should be someone that we look to in a year to 18 months to basically become the heir to Virgil van Dijk, who's 32 years of age now, I think. Am I being too optimistic in that? Because a lot of people I've seen going, you know, just sign this guy. He's, he's cost you 25 million. Mm, yeah, but unless we find a, a star at 25 million that just in the next year to 18 months is amazing. Are we wasting an opportunity here to forward planning the centre back slot by just getting the left sided centre back? I think the thing is, it's. I mean, I I couldn't name someone off the top of my head right now who I could say they could come in and and, and potentially do that that role that you're that you mm-hmm. that you're describing. Um, I think the thing with Virgil is, you know, he's he's thirty two now. Um, so I mean. What, with his game, you still say he's still got another at least two, three years still yep. at the at the top level. Obviously, barring injuries, um, uh, of course. But um, yeah, I think like the thing with the centre half one is, is you know, as I say, the, there is now starting to be a bit more talk around us uh, strengthening that area. And again, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, um, one of the things that we criticised the club for was we kind of almost like. Sleep, like sleepwalked into this kind of midfield disaster because the only midfielder we signed in the last few years was Thiago and obviously um, you know he was already past 30 and you know his legs weren't exactly the reason that we bought him so you know it, it's not a bad thing for the club to be uh, thinking about this because as I say we do have four senior centre-halves at the minute um, so it's potentially not something that it's a, a number one necessity but as I say, to avoid a repeat of what's happened uh, last season with the midfield, it's it's definitely a good thing to to be uh, to be proactive on it. But um, yeah, I think the main for me is it's just I I don't know if there's anyone who really sort of like stands out um, as a as an obvious candidate to sort of fulfil that role. Well, Ronan Murphy put in a comment here earlier, and don't worry if the super chats there that I haven't used. The reason is because they're on a topic that I'll get onto later, so I will do them. But Ronan Murphy says. Reports are that Colwell from Chelsea um, prefers a move to us. Not sure how true they are. Now, he's going to cost you in the region of 40 to 50 million quid. We know Brighton have had, a, I think, somewhere between 35 and 40 million pounds be torn down. Um, but that's 50 million quid. Can play on the left-hand side. Does play on the left-hand side, I think, of a, cent- of a centre-half uh, pairing. Young has experience in the Premier League. But Sean, he said something to us last night, going, his, a better move for him is probably going to Brighton and then looking to move to, whether that's back back to a Chelsea, a Liverpool, an Arsenal, a City, whoever it might be. Where would you stand on him at 50 million quid? Because if he's willing to come and he knows that he's going to fight for a spot, 
and may play some, may play some, but he's heir to Virgil van Dijk. He is looking yeah. at a year to two years of his career where he's not going to be forced choice. Where do you stand him as a player, though? I think he's a really good player. I mean, obviously, uh, you could go through that entire Brighton team from last year and you could probably say all of them were uh, would be candidates to, to move on to, to bigger and better things. But no, he he kind of he, he ticks a lot of boxes in terms of what you look for in a centre-half. He's big, strong, quick. Um, he's good on the ball. You know, the, these are the kind of attributes that to play sort of uh, certainly at the top end of the Premier League, you just have to have. And he definitely does have them, I think. It's just a question of, you know, would that be a realistic uh, proposition in terms of us being able to prize him away from Chelsea? Um, obviously, we know that uh, they've spent a lot of money, but, you know, th- they are starting to get rid of players. And obviously, Saudi Arabia is just kind of eating up uh, their dead wood, like Sakula Bali and uh, Ziyech has gone there. Um, and, you know, there, there'll probably be a couple more that would, that would follow suit. Obviously, Mason Mount's on his way out the door. So, um I think maybe like a few weeks ago, maybe before the Mason Mount thing kind of um, became sort of um, before he made his move to United, Chelsea might have been in more of a position to maybe consider that the need to sell him because of obviously the FFP um, regulations. So as I say, I think he, he definitely does. He, he fits the bill. I actually, I, I would agree with you in terms of um, for his career, he Probably, I think the best move for him would be to go to Brighton and really establish himself there and for another season. And um, I'm sure if he did, you know, Brighton would probably, you know, put in a a, a decent release clause. Um, so, um, so yeah, as I say, I, I, he's definitely a, a good prospect. So, um, but just as I say, whether or not we would realistically be able to get him out of Chelsea, that's that's the only question mark for me. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, Sene says here, Carwell uh, said he doesn't want to be a backup and wants to talk to Pochettino first be- before making a decision on his, on his future. But I don't know where he stands at Chelsea because it'll all depend on what Pochettino wants because they still have some, you know, well, you can argue good centre-halves, but expensive ones in, in um, Batty Shield is still there, Fafana is still there, um, they have a couple more as well. So it's not like... He'd feel he'd walk into that Chelsea side. I think I kind of agree. If if Brighton can get the deal done, it's probably I'd love to have him at Liverpool. But for his career, if he backs himself, he goes to Brighton for a season or two, and then he ends up wherever he wants to. Really, you know, the sort of way. Yeah. Um. He'd end up becoming a centre half that everybody wants. Um. But I, I just think I think it's a difficult one. I think I think if you're going to decide that Van Dijk and, and Kanate are our number one pairing. And I think that's a fair thing to do because I've banged on all summer about it. If we get midfield right, I think it helps the current midfielders that are there um, to have been kind of ran into the ground a little bit. And whether you rate them or don't, they've been played too much football, all of them, really. Um, and played, you know, like poor Cody Gakpo. Like if you think of him as an example, he came into this side that was all over the place and people were like, what is up with this Cody Gakpo fella? Is he any good? He's brilliant. But once you start getting players back, you see that. They can't be one-man teams and even the likes of Fabinho, Henderson, um, Thiago that we talked about a bit, midfielders coming in here helps. But I think it's going to help defensively as well. I think it's going to end, get us back to a, a level of work rate and intensity that gives the, the back four a break. Do you know what I mean? So I think you will see a step up in, in, in Van Dijk and Canate. Then you're left with Matip Gomez, and they both seem predominantly right-sided. So the argument is possibly there that if there's a year left on Matip, or you're not too sure on Gomez, one goes out, you bring a left-sided one in, but he knows he's in the mould of whoever's left behind Canate. You know, that sort of way. Um, and I don't know what player's out there either. I really don't. Like, Hincape is being mentioned. Um, this guy, Van de Ven, is being mentioned. But the only thing I've seen of Van de Ven is... He ran on a YouTube video really fast. I don't know anything else about him. Apparently, he can't head a ball, um, but he can run fucking incredibly fast. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. If there's any names in there, you know, Paul Giovanni says Shane Vardy all is off the seat, but that looks like a 100 million euro deal, you know. And in other summers, if you needed a centre-half, you'd be going for him. But when you need these midfielders as well, it's just not one you can do. But if anybody has any names that you'd like to see come in at Liverpool, shout it out and I will read them out as they come in or I'll gather them up um, when we get to the end of the next topic. Um, Thiago Alcantara. Right? Um, this is the name that's popped up um, literally from this morning. 
um, it come up saying, you know, I think he, he, he removed Liverpool from his bio on Instagram or something like that. And then a lot of stuff going around. And, and look, you know, you can put two and two together and, and probably get four when you think there's midfielders coming in here. We're linked with two more in, in at the moment, Lavia and um, Kefram Toram. So it's like, will one go? Which one will go? And, you know, his name seems to be popping up all the time. First of all, regardless of who comes in this summer, if there's two more, one more, whatever, are you for or against the sale of Thiago Alcantara? I'm going to let you, I'm going to make you tell me now before we move on. Oh, 100% I would not sell him. I think he's head and shoulders our best midfielder. Um, I honestly, I I find this for for people wanting to sell him. I, I I can understand sort of like there there's obvious reasons as to why he would be a good good player to sell. Obviously, wrong side of thirty, one year left on his contract. There's potential. Obviously, a lot of money going or coming into the Premier League from um, from Saudi Arabia. He kind of fits the bill of the of the type of player who is going there, and I think people are maybe just kind of like maybe you said they're they're putting two and two together. But in my mind, they're definitely not getting four. Um, even if he plays twenty five games next season, um, I, I don't think you'll you'll do well to get a a performance out of any of the other midfielders that'll that'll top what he can. I honestly, I just think he's a, a different level. Um, I think the other thing is is next year is. Obviously, we we know we're in Europa League, so realistically, um, he's probably not going to play in that competition very much. I wouldn't expect, or I certainly wouldn't be playing him because if if we're going to manage his game time, I'd rather have him available for Premier League than than playing in the in the Europa League. Um, so uh, obviously, when you're in Champions League, you know you you can't really rotate as much. You need to have sort of you know, your strongest eleven out um, playing more regularly, but. Um, you know, the, the Europa League this year, I would be saying to the likes of Harvey Elliott and Curtis Jones, you two, you'll be you'll be starting for us in the in the Europa League and this is your opportunity to go out and, and really show us what you can do. Now I know obviously Curtis Jones had a good had a good end of the season. Again, he probably splits opinion. Um I'm still not convinced. But um but yeah, as I say, in terms of Thiago, um, not a chance. I, I wouldn't be selling him unless there was a silly offer came in, um, you know, for maybe like thirty, forty million. Um, I, I, I definitely would not be selling him. No. Um. So Musa LFC, uh, sorry, Musa LFC twenty one was super chat earlier, and this is why I bring it up now. We said reports are saying that Gerard wants to bring Henderson to Saudi Arabia, and that news just came out. I don't know how how true this news is because you're going to get. All this stuff going on now. Um, somebody else said there that uh, Thiago is uh, meant to be in advanced talks with to go to Saudi Arabia, right? So a couple of I've asked the reason I've asked you that at the start is because there was a couple of comments at the very start of the show um, with regards to uh, you know Thiago and going or not. So let me read a few to you. So Rory said, Rory Fitzgerald said there was always a possibility for a mutual agreement between the player and club for Thiago to leave. He's 32 and can probably get a three-year contract with a new club uh, and country experience. LFC get token fee and release those wages. Um, Brian O'Halloran feels that Thiago's experience is vital and is perfect as backup now. Plus his skill his skill set isn't easy to replicate. Only Trent or possibly McAllister could run a game like him. I hope he stays. And Andrew Cahill then says, makes a lot of sense to offload Thiago now. Two great signings so far that will be available the majority of the season. Thiago will know his place in the team. Um, now won't be happy on the bench, right? So just on Thiago and some, and so Thiago, I looked it up because, um, Gary on Twitter, uh, who listens every night? Um, he said, "Look, he basically tweeted us and said, loving the content uh, this the last couple of weeks over the transfer stuff. But I really hope when you talk about Thiago, um, you bring up his availability. And he, but he was putting it forward that he's available for seventy percent of the games. It's just slightly below that, right? To be perfectly honest with you. Um, but Thiago averages thirty five games a season for Liverpool at the moment, right?" 2021, 20, 21, 22, 22, 23. Okay. He, three seasons. Okay. We've played 168 games, I think, in something in that period. He has played 
about 105 games. I think he's been available um, for 105 of those. So he's averaging about 35 games a season. Okay. Um, now, you have to take in the fact that 21 games that he missed out of those 66 was COVID and Richarlison folding him in half. So he's missed, you know, if you take those two, he's missed about 40 games in three seasons for Liverpool, which people would say, you know, he's missed 40 fucking games, you know, sort of way. But <clears throat> my whole point on this is, is that you have to weigh this up. Are you, it's probably 10 million in wages over the next year, right? But... My whole argument around around bringing these midfielders in is that you don't look to Jordan Henderson to play 50 games next season. You don't look to Fabinho for 50 games. And you certainly don't look to Thiago for 50 games. So if you tell me next season that we have Thiago available for 35 of those games, okay? Or he, he plays 35 times, but it's not Ox or it's not fucking Milner trying to run around the place. It's It's... It's McAllister and it's uh, Sobersloy. I'm absolutely fine with that. I am on the side that he might want to go. And I think Rory's point is great. He goes to Liverpool and says, look, I'm getting a three-year deal here. So anything we can do, you're bringing in loads of midfielders. It releases you to do this. M- my argument is, is that you can't really replicate what he does. And not putting so much pressure on him to be around every single game because we have other quality there. I think it's the way to go. And I still think it's the way to go if we brought in two more. Like I'm I'm absolutely fine with going in with ten midfielders. Fine with it. No problem. Knowing that Thiago leaves next summer, possibly Henderson, possibly Fabinho, and you might need to do another two next summer and you get back to the number of nine. Am I mad to think this, Glenn, or am I just up in the fucking sky in my own cloud? Because that's not no. how football works. I just think for the ten million quid and he's going to be available for 30 games. That's his average 30 to 35 games. It's a no-brainer. Yeah, 100%, as I say. Um, I think the other thing as well, like we need to remember is, in terms of like the availability thing, that's not a Thiago problem. That's a Liverpool problem as much uh, as, as much as anything because the amount of injuries we've had and, and issues with availability for any number of players we've had over the last few years I mean, on one of the on one of the um the videos I've done sort of towards the end of last season, I, I said the same thing. Um, you know, uh, Keita, Ox, uh, Curtis Jones, he he was practically missing for the the entire first half of the season, and and the year before that as well, he missed a big chunk. So there's a lot of players in our team who who do miss a lot of games. Um, so as I said, it's not just a Thiago problem; it's a it's it's a, it's a Liverpool problem as well, and a, a lot of the uh, the issues in terms of availability. It's not, obviously like the the Richardson one, like that's just you know that's a bad tackle. You can't do anything about that. But you know, like he missed sort of the last sort of fifteen twenty games. I think it was a hip issue. Now, to me, like you put your hip out if you're if you're not being worked in the right way or you're being overworked potentially. So again, like to me, there's 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 a lot of questions in terms of what's going on and. In that medical department uh, of ours, so um, so yeah, as I say, when we throw the availability thing at him, I think we have to remember that you know there's there's two sides to this as well, but um, but yeah, no, as I say, I think if we do get thirty games out of Thiago next year, that, that it'll still be worth it, um, because he is he's such a he's such a high level player, and we've never really seemed to have a player who's you know, being at that level, you know, who you would class as like a world-class midfielder, like a truly world-class midfielder when you think of the teams and the level he's played at before. So, um, yeah, uh, me personally, I I understand, as I say, why there are arguments out there to potentially moving him on because of the contract situation and, uh, and the money that's going about. But I still think we'll be better having him uh, as opposed to, to moving him on. Um. Kev O'Sullivan asks, uh, Kev of this parish asks, um, where does he play in this box midfield? And he, he also says it frees up a non-homegrown spot to bring in a 200, 200k per week player. First of all, Kev, I get where you're coming from because I think the box midfield thing where Trent moves in there, I think is, is brilliant. And I think we're, just the midfielders we've signed actually helps us be better at that. You know, like I was only talking last week about like Sabazloy in that A. In an attacking sense, um, versus Henderson is a no-brainer. You know, 
if you want to run around all day and try Henderson's there, but I think Henderson just has so many miles on his legs that he's becoming a little bit more difficult to fit into this side, right? But and and he like it's it's night and day the, the sort of creativity you're going to put in there with with Sabas like, um, but the reason we went to this box midfield is is because one we're getting overrun in midfield. And the whole idea of it was is that we get in there and we take control and we actually put teams on the back foot. And you see it. As soon as Trent goes in there, teams just go, whoa. And we're, we're fucking dropping right back here. And it's actually protecting our defence by doing that. I think the players that we brought in allows us to probably go back near a 4-3-3. Okay? Where we can run and we can outrun teams and outmuscle them and press them. I think that's where we've gone to. Thiago was absolutely fine in a 4-3-3. I've never looked up Thiago in a 4-3 and goes, he's getting overrun. He actually works so fucking hard. On the non-homegrown non spot point, I completely get it because you're looking towards um, Kevin Tora. Um, but we're not going to get rid of Thiago and spend 200k a week on a player. We're just not. Kevin Tora and Arlavia isn't going to go near 200 grand a week. My argument is, is that you keep him, all right, and you... you you bring the other two in, I don't know what the issues are with, with regards to, um, you know, registering them and stuff like that. But I just can't, unless unless somebody comes in, maybe Saudi Arabia, and it, I shudder every time I think of a player being linked with Saudi Arabia, I'm being honest with you, because there's a much bigger picture to this than just getting a few quid off a team in Saudi Arabia. Unless someone comes in and says, listen, there's 25, 40 million quid to take Thiago, because he's a massive name, right? And you kind of go, fair enough, like Rory said earlier, he gets a three-year deal and he's he's happy to go. Fine. But I think all things being equal, I think, I think Thiago should stay. Right? Yeah. Because I think, like you said, if he's not being worked right or managed, I think Kevin Ball says there, um, I think Kevin Ball says there, we haven't managed him properly since he arrived. In fairness, when he arrived, COVID got him and then Richarlison got him. And we are kind of, you know, running up, we are running uphill after that with Thiago a little bit. I just can't see, I can see the merits in, oh yeah, we can move this around, move that around, but the player you have, what you think you're going to get him out of him game-wise, and what you've put in place beside him now, as opposed to what you had last season, it actually, this season makes way more sense to have Thiago than it did last season or the season before when you think about it. Um, but I, I could be wrong. Um, let me see, there was a couple, uh, sorry, Paul Giovanni threw in Hanko from Feyenoord, as a centre half, that he looked, I'd have to go and look him up. Um, I haven't a fucking clue who he is, Paul. Being honest with you, Hanko sounds a bit like a made-up name. Um, you know, it sounds a bit like Damo. You've just made it up. Um, but let, but Paul, let me know about him. What's he like and stuff like that. But listen, I don't know what what people think on Thiago. The rumor is going around about him. You're going to get loads around Saudi Arabia now with with. Um, Gerard gone there. And I think I think Robbie Fowler might be going over there as well, actually. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh... <clears throat> I don't know what teams they've joined. Are they linked to um the four teams? Are, are they one of the four teams that the owners of Newcastle own? Because it's I think I think Gerard's club is. I think I think that's one of the four that sort of the, the PIF have kind of taken over. Mm. I think Fowler's team, they might be like the division below. I I'm not a hundred percent certain, but um but yeah, I think I think the team Gerard's going to because I mean a couple of weeks ago he turned them down and then obviously the, there's been something's something's changed and I don't know whether they've just threw money at him and he just thought you know what this is just too too good to to turn down. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely surprised to see that he went there because I actually I've, I've sent to a friend that I thought like maybe like La I could see Lampard going there. You know, Lampard's had a couple per per managerial stints, you know, you think of the, the Chelsea both well both Chelsea stints um and then obviously the the effort and one. So, you know, Lampard hasn't done a good job some uh, anywhere in a long time. Um whereas obviously Gerard, you know, it was he had that bad spell at Villa, but you would think maybe the work he's done at Rangers, there'd still be some credit left in the tank for him. So I'm surprised that he's gone, but look money clearly talks and um mm. I think I think the thing is now is that it's just it's becoming sort of like almost accepted uh, the, the whole Saudi Arabia thing. You know, it's uh, it's just it's almost like people are just saying, "Well, this is just how it is now." Um, well, I think I think uh, like 
the Saudi Arabia thing, to be fair, right? Now, Anticos has seen something saying Saudi League owner has said they've only bought about 10% of the players that they actually want, right? Um, and Jason Campion says Robbie Fowler's is in the second division. Jared's team is not linked to PIF. Oh, right. um, I, I, I couldn't tell you the four teams that are. I just know there's four. Um, but, uh, someone else says there as well, uh, Anticos says, Gav, get money on Gerard to Newcastle. The whole thing, the whole thing with Saudi Arabia, if Saudi Arabia turn around, like, tomorrow and says, right, we're setting up this league and we're gonna, we've all this wealth and we want to bring players in and we want to promote it, I've no issue with that. It's the same like MLS done 25 years ago. Do you know what I mean? MLS was there for so many years and then they went, right, we need to get serious with this. We, we, we set it up where you can bring three over, four overseas players in, you have a cap, blah, blah, blah. And this is the way they went, right? Um, <laughs> Gary D says Fowler's team is in division two, so he only has one billion to spend. Um, so, um, but, but I've no, I've no issue with that, right? My whole issue around this, and you're saying like it's become acceptable. I think what you mean by that is, is that this crowd owns four clubs. They own Newcastle, right? They're heavily invested into Chelsea who are selling their players to Saudi Arabia to clear the madness that they went through over the last 12 months and 600 million spent. So basically, by working together, they're they're basically funding two Premier League sides here, when you think about it. They're funding one, and they're protecting their investment in another. And that's not acceptable. But I think you're right. It does become acceptable because... Big numbers, big money, everyone just goes, ah, who gives a fuck about what's going on? Look at this fella going over here for 30, 40, 50 million. Look what they're paying him, isn't it mad? And that's where it's gonna, that's when it's gonna go. It'll keep, it, it'll just keep going, but that's what masks the actual issue. Do you know the sort yeah, of way? Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's like insider it's, trading, really. You know, that sort well, of way. And it's, it's not acceptable in any, any way. But I, I, no, I no. have to restrain myself massively when I'm talking about this because I end up going off. On a mad one, and he'd be here till fucking half eleven tonight. Do you know what I mean, Glenn? Go on, sorry, you're, I, go on. You're going to say something there. No, I mean, I, I, I'm not uh, me personally. I'm not saying it is acceptable. You know, I just think it, that's just the, the conversation now has because it's as I say, it's, it's just becoming the norm. Um, I think it, the conversation now has kind of just changed, and it's just kind of like, well, like I say, this is just kind of the way it is now. And I think you know, it's not obviously that it's not just football that they're um. You know, that they're investing in it's it's so many sports and it's kind of almost like when they get their fingers in so many pies you know it, obviously at the minute like with uh like with wimbledon being on you know there's now talk around you know uh tennis being the next one and you know a lot of the players are just saying well you know this is just we, we just kind of think that's just part of it now it's just it's just going to happen it's a case of of when not if and you know um as i say I, and i think that that is just part of the reason why it's just you know well sure that that's just how it's going to be now which obviously it's it, in my opinion it's it's not great um and and you turn you go bringing it back to the sort of the football side of things like you're right obviously the, the MLS done it with um you know obviously Beckham was the first to go out there and then you know, had likes of Ibrahimovic go out um, and then obviously there was the the thing with China which you know was a bit mad for you know three four years so. You know, the thing with Saudi Arabia is it could be another one of them. It could be in five years' time. We're looking at this and, you know, it could have all just completely blown up. Um, Not literally, but, um, you know, it could have all just, you know, uh, died away again because obviously look what happened in China. So, mm. um, so yeah, but as I say, like, um, it has definitely changed the dynamic in terms of um, players like Thiago because um, obviously at the age, of the, the age he's at now, there's no question. We both think he can still do a job for us at the, at this level, but um, for him, he's probably thinking one more payday. You know, if I can get a three four year deal, and then not that they not that they need these uh, you know big paydays, but you know that just seems to be the thing. You know, when they get to that age, um, it's like, well, if I can get a three four year contract out there on silly money, then um, I, I may as well take it. And then you know that that's me. So so yeah, um, obviously there hasn't been other than sort of today where it was the, the whole sort of Instagram thing, although I'm, I've been told apparently that it was never there. I, I don't actually know because I don't check these things, but um, yeah, that, that's the reason this seems to have come about today, the whole question of Tiago. But, um, but yeah, as I say, I, I, I definitely hope that he's, uh, he, he's not leaving. Mm. Um, Laszlo says PIF own about 1% of Clear Lake, which owns a lot of other things. Chelsea are directly compete with Newcastle. They aren't helping Chelsea. Trust me, they're helping Chelsea. Well, uh, P- PIF 
own 1% of Clear Lake, who own Chelsea, and PIF are heading up these clubs in Saudi that are buying all these players off Chelsea in order to get around FFP and just allow them to spend what they like and go, listen, don't worry about it. If it doesn't work, we'll just take them all back off. Like, honestly, that's all. I don't know whether you're like, and he says, they're more likely to sell the Clear Lake stock. <coughs> Maybe. But as things stand, right, an investor in Clear Lake owns Newcastle. Clear Lake owns Chelsea. And at the same time, they're buying players off Chelsea to clear Chelsea's problem with FFP. Like, just like where do you, where else do you want me to go with this? Do you know what I mean? Like I can't I can't just get my head around like trying to make sense of that without it being like you said, like Glenn said, becoming just accepted when it's completely unacceptable. Robin McGuire asked, Gav, can you see a team the Saudi League and the Champions League down the road? I would write nothing off. <laughs> nothing off when it comes to UEFA. Absolutely uh, nothing off. Because when the Super League came around UEFA were pushed into this position where they had to offer more money to their st- stakeholders, i.e. the clubs that, that are in it. And they just come up with the Super League. They've literally just come up with the Super League and just banged the UEFA badge on it. Um, I honestly, I, I would rule nothing out. I would rule, um, yeah. I would rule, I wouldn't even rule out a 39 game in the Middle East. I wouldn't rule out, you know, um, the Champions League. Like you're seeing it already a 32 club World Club Cup. Do you know what I mean? That's going to take place, I think, in America, um, in twenty twenty five, I think. Um, mm. So you're seeing this already. You know what I mean? The World Club Cup used to be South America. There was four main things, and they went in and blah blah blah. Right, there was so many teams, but thirty two. Like, where are we putting these players in? Where are they playing? Do you know what I mean? And if they play it in, what are they going to do? Play in the summer? Do you know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what, what happens? Do these players finish a league season, go out and play this, get that out of the way, and then into a World Cup or a Euros or a, or a, or a Copa America? Do you play it in the winter? So players, what, Liverpool fuck off. Liverpool win a, a European Cup and fuck off for a month to play in this, this game. 32 games. So, you know what I mean? You've, you've, you know what I mean? You have that. You'd have a, a quarter final, a semi, so possibly four games over what are we saying 16 17 days so two two and a half weeks you have to go there and you to come back so that's three weeks in the summer it's madness in the winter it's like three weeks in november is like fucking six premier league games seven yeah. premier league games so but i write nothing off football is on its arse there's no doubt about it it's absolutely on its arse because of one the extortionate amount of football that footballers have to play right the cheating that's gone on in football right and we're still seeing all these charges hanging over you know who, right? And then the continued bullshit going on with clubs, owners, countries, this, that. It's absolutely on its arse, right? And listen, it mightn't last long enough. In, in, and what I mean by that is it'll keep going. But people, I think, will end up just going, this is a load of shit. But we're in a generation now where they don't follow teams. People follow players. You know what I mean? I see kids on the road here who, you know, and they, they, there's kids on the road here playing football and it's great to see, by the way, right? But one fella be out in an Mbappe jersey today and they'll have a Salah one on tomorrow and they'll have a bleeding this one on the, a Harlem one on the next day. They follow players and the generation we live in now follow players and just want to see all the money spent. How big can it get? And it, it is the FIFA generation. That's what it is. And FIFA, UEFA, all these are quite happy with that. Um, me and you will be the ones left behind. We're, maybe we're just getting old. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but look, uh, Wizard says football clubs need to get back to being clubs and not companies because they don't help the communities that they're in. Um, yeah, a lot of clubs do help the communities that they're in. Do they do enough? Maybe not. Um, maybe they could do more. But in fairness, a lot of clubs do do a lot in communities. In fairness, Wizard, I will say that much. Um, let me see. Uh, FIFA League says Eunice. Yeah. Um, before we go though, Glenn, I've asked this of the lads over the last couple of shows. What do you expect from the rest of the window sitting here now on the tour of July? What do you expect to see um, from Liverpool and the rest of the transfer window? And I don't want what you want. I want you to take it all together and go, I expect us to do that. I think, uh, well, 
we, we know obviously Klopp says this every year, but I think sort of this year more than more than ever, he, he said he wanted all of his signings in sort of before preseason starts, which is obviously I think it's next week. Um, so I would certainly be expecting at least one more midfielder. Obviously, that of the the two who are being linked the most is Lavia and and Chiram. I think if it was me, I would say probably Lavia because we I think we do need another another six. Uh, we can't just ha- rely on. Uh, for being new to to do that role, so um, I would definitely be expecting another midfielder, and then who knows what might happen in terms of uh, of a centre half. As I say, I think the only the, the only sort of reason that I would maybe doubt that is just because at the minute, um, we're not really seeing any names being floated about in terms of um, who could potentially come in in that position. But um, like as we both said before. Um, it would not be the 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 worst idea to get someone in this summer because of of we know kind of what uh, what could be ahead sort of in in the following years so um so certainly yeah I, I would definitely be expecting another midfielder um i don't think it'll be too far away either which is again it's a good thing because we want to have all these players in as early as possible so that when it comes to the opening game of the season there's no excuses um so um so yeah that, that's what i'm what i'm expecting Okay, um, if uh, there's loads and loads of people watching tonight, if you are watching and you haven't hit the like button, do it now or do it on your way out. Like, subscribe, comment, turn on the notifications icon as well. So as soon as we go live, you will know about it. Um, let me see. There's a couple of people shouting in here. Uh, Eunice wants one more mid and a centre back. Antoine wants two more in. David wants three more in and three out. Okay, he's gone big. Laszlo wants a centre half. Um, Antoine says. Antoine says. Three would be gravy, but two for me, and I'm happy. But yeah, that's all right. Um, Ronald Murphy says, it's all over social media now. The handle is wonderful by Stevie G. A lot of sources reporting it. It could be nonsense. Uh, Ronald, what sources? Like, genuinely, what sources? <laughs> um, that's the only question I'm going to ask you. Uh, Brian, was, and that's not a go with you, by the way. Um, it's just everyone seems to think they're a fucking source on Twitter nowadays. Um, let me see. Uh, Nigel wants Trent in centre midfield and captain. Well, Okay, Archie says, uh, what's your thoughts on Gravenberg? To come back to that in a second. And David says, investment announced after the transfer window. I've seen some of this around investment, and it's like, um, it's some investment crowd, but I think it might be a well-funded of a country, and that's where I go. That's where I'm, I'm not for at all. So just, I'm going to be absolutely very upset, possibly, um, by the end of this window. But I did think... I did think if Liverpool were to get investment, they weren't going to bang on about it in June, July. I thought they might do it this summer and then announce some sort of investment, a minority, um, a minority investor with the chances of taking over over maybe two, three, four, five years. But I don't know how it works. I don't work for fucking money, any of these big companies. So, um, you know what I mean? They're not doing it on the back of a smoke box. But, um, yeah, I've read up, I've read stuff about that and, We'll have to wait and see what comes. We'll have to wait and see what comes out of that. Um, Gravenberch, I don't know. What's your thoughts on Gravenberch before we go? I thought when he played for Ajax against us in the Champions League sort of a couple of years ago, I thought he looked a real player. So um, I'm surprised, you know, that uh, what's happened with him at Bayern. I mean, I, I, I don't watch the German football enough to be able or follow it well or closely enough. Sorry to to be able to comment on sort of what's going on there. I think I, we, we did speak about him sort of when it was coming towards the end of last season. And he was definitely someone who was uh, linked a lot more heavily back then than what he has been this summer. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he's clearly a good player. Like, he wouldn't be a Bayern Munich at his age if he wasn't. But it's just, it's uh, I don't know what's went on there last season. So, it's, it's a strange one. Obviously, Tuchel's in there now. So, for all we know, you know, things could change for him. But... Um, as I say, in the games that I've seen him play against us for Ajax, I thought he looked like a real good player, and um, he sort of had the the kind of attributes that we were lacking last season in terms of that sort of pace and power to get about the pitch. So um, when we were first linked with him, you know, I thought that could be a good signing, um, because it was kind of low risk and it didn't look like it would cost a lot of money either. But um, but for whatever reason, it's it's obviously. It obviously seems to have cooled sort of since uh, since the season finished and the transfer window opened. I think he looked great at Ajax. I really did. Yeah. Um, he goes to Bayern for a relatively small fee and I thought that's a, that's a great sign. Um, and it just hasn't worked from maybe moved too young, I'm not too sure. But there's a lot in the chat here having no time from fair play. This. Um, 
Kevin Ball says Graven Bear seems to talk too much. Um, programmer says uh, he's lazy and mouthy. Um, Passio reckons it smells of a wrong to him. Um, talented, but nah. Uh, let me see, let me see. Um, that's probably on it. Um, and James LFC is there saying 400 million investment apparently. Um, and Tarek says Liverpool looking to sell 10 to 15% for 500 million. So we'll have to see what, what comes of that. But it's, it is, it's, it's crazy season at the minute. So, you know what I mean? You could just say what you want and people will go, <laughs> oh yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. Absolute gospel. And some, some fella on, it'll be sitting there with his lovely faded haircut on Sky Sports telling you that he knows everything that's going on when in truth he knows fuck all. And that he is definitely sausage of the week, by the way. Um, I forgot to mention that during the week. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I might dress up, I might dress up like I'm a Halloween. Um, and everyone will know who I am. But look, um, um, Lazo said, yeah, Gravenberch, 17 million in around that, yeah. Um, and Tarek says, he, Tarek says he agrees on Gravenberch, not a good egg, it seems too much talking. I, I think people are a bit like that now because they're like, oh no, we're getting these two lads so we can kind of have a go at Gravenberch a little bit. Because he was like, <laughs> he was one that everyone was banging on about. Um, everyone was banging on about. I didn't know this, I didn't know this a few months ago, like. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he was sound about six weeks ago. Now he's like, he's the worst <laughs> fella in the world. Um, but anyway, uh, Trevor Vela says 366 watching 112 likes. Come on, people. Um, yeah, there's, no, there's, you have a bit more than that now at the minute. Um, but hit the like button on the way out. It helps us. It helps us keep all this content content for free and um helps us keep going someone did say earlier if if liverpool were controlled by the saudis would the lfc day troopers go kaput and um, because because um i'm not against it no 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 that's not what i said i what my my take on this is if liverpool become controlled by any country on this planet it wouldn't stop me doing what i'm doing um but i would be voicing my opinion majorly on it um, and I'd become, I, I would, I just turned on one of them moaning fuckers that just turns up and goes, yeah, we won't train but what about this? Um, and it probably suits me, um, to the age I'm getting to. So, um, it's one of those. Um, guys are seeing 33% for 1.4 billion. See, it's all out there now. What, what we, what we call it then, we just go with, let's say, let's say 37% of the company for 1.63 billion. Um, will we go with that then? <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to use me and Glenn as a source, Last year, clip was up there, throw it on the internet, <laughs> see how it runs. Um, that's it. about it. That's about it. Um, rest of the week, tomorrow, me, Phil Casey, and Keith Plunker are going to discuss the life and times of Luis Suarez, which should be Belton. Um, Wednesday, we should be back with a transfer show, um, chatting around whatever's going on, um, if there's anything going on. The lads are back on Thursday with some Liverpool great games to discuss. And listen, Friday could be another no, if I can, because we've signed someone else. If not, we won't be around on Friday. How does that sound? And um, we've done our best for you this week. That has been the LFC Day Trippers. Um, no transfer knowledge with me, Gav, and the brilliant guest, Glenn, who has exclusively told us Liverpool are selling 36% of the club <laughs> for 1.63 billion pounds. So there you go. Blame her on him. Talk to you in a bit. Over and out. Podcast Network.